Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast, where we believe success can be achieved by small and simple means. Do you have a property that is in rough condition, has tenant issues, or a project that never got finished? Then you need to contact Homelink Properties. This Springfield, Missouri-based company will give you a fair cash offer on your property, completely as is, the same day you reach out. If you're an investor, Homelink Properties can also put your house in front of hundreds of cash buyers so that you too can quickly sell your property. Give them a call today, 417-295-0723. All right, today's guest is a CPA by trade, but has become a real estate investor and a wholesaler. He has a neat story. So without further ado, welcome Dalen Hazel. Thanks for having me on, Jake. It's been a long time coming. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. You have a pretty cool story and I'm excited for our uh, listeners to hear uh, how you got to where you are. And so maybe we can start by you telling us a little bit about what you do, what you're currently working on, and then we'll get into a little bit about your story to where you got to the point you are today. Certainly. Yeah. Happy to share that. Um, Like I tell a lot of people, I'm, I'm a small fish in a big pond, but I'm hoping to be a big fish in a big pond in the future. So that's where I'm headed for sure. Um, Right now, um, so I've been in real estate since the middle of 2020, and it was just a unique time to get in. You know, uh, it was still before the market got as hot as it is now, and there's just, there's so much opportunity at any time, but people will tell you, don't get it at this time, don't get it at that time, and you just have to eliminate that that sort of advice and just go full forward because the best time to start is is now. So I started, um, just did a you know, typical 20% down on a rental property because that's all I knew how to do. And, you know, got a renter in there and did, did some minor fixing up and just saw the power of the cash flow, uh, obviously. And, and that's what I got into, you know, real estate to do is to get that cash flow because I wasn't too happy with my, my position, my, my job. And we can talk about that later. But then I just started like, thinking, well, that was a lot of money to put down. And then I have to save up more to, to get more rentals. And I thought this was going to be a long process and I wanted to shorten that. And so I got into, you know, looking for deals myself off market. And so in the past year I've done 21 deals and, um, seven have been buy and hold. So I've done wow. like 14, 14 wholesales and seven buy and hold. So now my portfolio is up to seven, uh, single family homes that are either rented out or we're renovating. And so I try to, I hold to the motto, um, keep the best and wholesale the rest. So it's not a, <laughs> not a phrase that I came up with, but that's what I do. And so I do wholesaling and then the buy and hold. Admittedly, I've never done a flip before, unless it was just like something I cleaned up and slapped back on the market, which isn't, a, that's a wholesale, not a real flip. So I've never been one that, that likes all of the, like, I'm not a rehabber. I don't like rehabbing. I do Ah. it because I kind of have to, but I don't like the design and choices. I just want it to be done and rented and start producing income. So with that said, I mean, that's where I'm at right now. And I'm doing, you know, obviously it's getting easier to progress because you find people that are willing to pitch in money for you. It's easier to find deals. So like the hardest part was getting the first two or three properties. And right. now it's gotten a lot easier for sure. That's awesome. I would like to get into some of the details of uh, your criteria and, and stuff like that. But so currently right now, are you, uh, and, and we can talk about this story a little bit. 
are you still currently doing CPA work or are you? No, so I went full time uh, real estate six weeks ago and that's been amazing. It's given me a lot more free time, ability to think about my business and where I'm headed and innovate a little bit more. Because when I was doing the CPA job, working long hours, doing taxes and real estate, like I was just stretched so thin. And I heard a good mentor tell me that, you know, you're going to know, you'll just know when it's time to leave. And I, I just stuck it out as long as I could. And then I just knew. So I took his advice and just transitioned out. And that's been one of the best decisions of, of my life. That's awesome. So right now you're currently, you're, you're a full-time real estate investor. Is that what you yes. would say? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, my day-to-day job is to just find deals and, uh, you know, monitor projects, manage contractors and see it to the very end. Okay, cool. Let's talk a little bit about the um, wholesaling process. Cause I know there's probably some listeners that aren't very familiar with it. So you, you quit your CPA job, maybe, uh, and we can talk a little bit about <laughs> some, some of that, what led up to what got you into real estate and then how you got started. And then maybe a little bit about the process of wholesaling and what that is. Sure. Well, I didn't, uh, quit my job you know, after doing one wholesale deal or zero, <laughs> because I knew, you know, wholesaling is, is kind of feast or famine until you get it consistent. And so I was doing wholesaling for four months before I left. So I, <laughs> I admittedly, I started wholesaling like maybe six months ago. And, and let me interject here too. Maybe you can break down what wholesaling is for sure. the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Wholesaling is the process of finding a good deal, putting it under contract, and then selling it for more than you have it under contract. So I like to think of it as a finder's fee. So you're selling it to a buy and hold investor or a fix and flipper. Gotcha. So you're not actually, I just want to clarify this for the listeners that you're not actually purchasing the properties. You're getting it under contract and selling the contract uh, to an investor. Generally speaking. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. And so it's a great way to make money um, on the side. And it's a good way to, to do a full-time income because you can get big checks from that. So you don't need to do 10 deals a month. You can do two or three and replace your income. And so that's what I did in the course of four to six months. I replaced my income um, doing, you know, from the CPA stuff. And so that made, made it make sense to leave. And I also had some rentals. So I had some passive income coming in to kind of offset any peaks and valleys from the wholesaling. Okay. That's cool. So, um, tell us a little bit about your story. So you went to college, you went to school to become a CPA, correct? Mm -hmm. And then what, what got you into real estate? What started to get the wheels turning to have you even consider, uh, wholesaling or even investing? Well, admittedly my, my family and, and everyone I know wasn't an entrepreneur. It certainly wasn't a real estate So I just did the typical path and I think it's a great path for a lot of people and gives them safe, secure jobs. But I knew that wasn't in, in me. I wasn't one of those kids that was like trading baseball cards in my free time when I was, you know, six or whatever you hear crazy entrepreneurial stories. I was just someone who was dissatisfied with the status quo and wanted to pave my own path. And so when I got into accounting, you know, I was, I was literally in a, probably a three by three cubicle for nine to 12 hours a day. And during tax seasons, it was more like 12 hours a day. So I did not see sunlight unless I walked outside on my lunch break. 
And it was uh, very demoralizing. I got to the point um, where I was almost depressed. I had to have, I mean, I really relied on my family and friends during that time in my life because I'm like, there's got to be a better way. I mean, I looked outside and I saw cars passing by and I said, why are they out there? And I'm in here, like, how are they earning money? And so I knew there's a better way. Furthermore, I was doing taxes for very wealthy real estate investors. And I saw that they were paying little to no tax and how all these units. And I said, you know, this, this path is, this is not for me. So after, I think it was one of the work weeks I did was 75 hours. We were told and required to do 75 hours and it was putting a strain on my family. My wife was pregnant at the time. And so that was almost the straw that broke the camel's back. And so um, that kind of segued me into real estate, not out of like, Ooh, I love real estate. This is going to be so great. But out of a desire of, I have to make this work or else I'm just going to be miserable. And who knows, like down the road, I mean, that's how people end up committing suicide because they have no other options. I'm not saying I was anywhere near that point, but I mean, that's a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what, how did you learn about real estate? So you, you're obviously your gears started turning. Uh, you were seeing these guys that were making a lot of money uh, off of real estate and saving a lot on taxes. And obviously you wanted to get out of the status quo and um, have a little bit more freedom. So what transitioned you to like start learning and, and finally to pull the trigger? Yeah. I mean, I just think that my wife tells me this all the time, but I'm just a self-starter. Like when I grab onto something, I, I see it till the very end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I, I guess that's true because I was like in books, podcasts all day, every day, uh, learning as much as I could about real estate. And I mean, the, the natural advice is to start wholesaling because it requires no money. Um, I didn't get into it for that. I got into it to just find deals for myself. And then I, as I started wholesaling and we can talk about that process, then I just started coming across too many deals. And so obviously I, I, um, wholesaled some of those away to make some money and I could keep the nicer ones. Right. Let's talk about that process. So, um, you're educating yourself, uh, through podcasts and books and then Tell us about how you got into your first deal and then how you slowly transitioned into wholesaling and talk us through your, like your price or your process and your criteria. Sure. I mean, it started with learning. So obviously free books and education can only get you so far. So I, I actually thought, you know, to do this full time, to, to reach the goals I had in mind for myself, I needed a mentor. So I hired a local guy and we both know him. And, uh, I paid him $300 a month for three months. Wow. And he, and he taught plug. me every... he's going to be coming on our podcast. So yeah. Yeah. He's phenomenal. So I, I, uh, paid him 300 a month to, to literally just pick his brain because mm -hmm. it's one thing to just ask somebody to coffee and pick their brain. And honestly, when people ask me is that I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. But have you researched what wholesaling is first? So I want them to have some ground level knowledge. So the fact that I was willing to pay, you know, $300 a month, um, I think spoke volumes to my mentor and allowed him to just really open up the floodgates. Um, and then once I felt like I had almost tapped him out as learned as much as I could from him, then I scaled into paying for a, a mastermind. Mm. And this is, it's not a local mastermind. It's, it's open to national. 
And there's about 250 people in that mastermind and it's small enough to where I can ask any question, get it answered. I'm able to get, you know, discounts on my advertising. Um, and so, and that's a much more significant financial commitment each month. But I, I would say to your listeners, like to, to separate yourself and achieve your goals a lot faster, you need to have a mentor or a coach. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. I have gotten to where I am with you know my pest control business and my uh, investing. My mentors have mainly been books and podcasts, um, but I have had one mentor that you know helped me systematize my pest control business to where it pretty much functions on its own. But I'm, I've kind of been thinking I'm at the point where I'm like, man, I need like a a, neck, a coach to get me to the next level, or, or or some kind of mentor to get me to the next level. Um, so yeah. that's that's cool that you're you're already doing that. Yeah. It's been a game changer. And, you know, I'm at the point where I don't go to them every five minutes with every little question. Um, but just having that safety net of, I can ask them anything and everything. And they do like weekly coaching meetings to keep up with what's going on. So any way you can get plugged into that, I know it's hard to shell out 300 or more a month, Mm -hmm. but you're going to make that back tenfold. <laughs> That's really cool. So how did you go about finding, um, your mentor and, um, setting up that relationship? Yeah. So that first mentor, that local individual, and I had found him on Facebook. He was buying a 32 unit apartment complex at the time. And he looked younger than me. And so I said, Oh, he, he's doing something. I, I'm not. <laughs> and frankly, 99% of people are not. So I knew that that would be a good way in. And now like he's brought me deals, he's brought me contacts. So that one Facebook message reaching out as a stranger, I mean, has, has paid dividends a million times over because the best investment you'll make is on people. Yeah. <laughs> so return on relationship is a lot higher than return on investment. I have a friend that always says this, and I 100% agree with it, that your your network is your net worth. You can only get so far without having those relationships. So that's pretty cool. How did you find that mastermind group? Um, and it, I don't know if you'd be willing to share the mastermind group, but uh, how did you find that mastermind group? And, and how did you know that that was the right fit for you? Sure. Yeah, the mastermind group, um, you know, I, I'm sure the leader wouldn't mind me sharing, but it's, uh, it's called create Cash Flow, and it's with Ryan Dossie. Um, and he's a, he's a YouTube channel. So you, I just started following him and I said, Oh, I like what he's doing and, you know, set up a call with him and it, it is a significant price tag each month. So it's not something you just jump into and wish for the best. You like, you have to be willing to put in a lot of money. But once you do, I mean, you're definitely going to get a return on that investment. And so I joined that mastermind, just got surrounded by a lot of people who are doing, you know, just what I'm doing, single family to big apartments and storage buildings. So just surrounding yourself with people like that, um, like you said, network is your net worth. Yeah, 100%. There seems to be a huge trend, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not, especially on social media uh, like TikTok a huge trend and, um, about wholesalers and, and there seems to be a lot of wholesalers right now, and it seems to be super trendy. Why is wholesaling so appealing? And maybe you can talk us through that process and kind of a little bit about the spread of what, what's potent, like 
potentially you're, you can make? Well, it's just a very low risk, low overhead model where you can make a lot of money pretty quickly because, you know, houses are expensive. So even if you get a house under contract for 40,000 and then you find a buyer for 43,000, like that's a very small spread. I mean, the average spread that I'm looking for is like 10 K, but let's just say you, you don't know what you're doing and you find a spread of three K that's, that's as much as people make in a month at a salaried position. So, and the numbers obviously get much bigger depending on your market. So, and, and combine that with it's no risk because you're just flipping the contract. The worst case scenario is you have to back out of the contract, which I've never done. I don't recommend you doing it, but that would be like worst case scenario. And you might lose your earnest money, which could be as little as hundred dollars. I do 500 to a thousand dollars each time. And I know that gets a little into the nitty gritty there, but like I said, just low overhead, low risk. And you could obviously make it high overhead. If you you're doing tens of thousands of mail pieces a month, or you have a team of say cold callers, but to start, you don't have to have a lot of overhead. Gotcha. Let's talk about what that looks like to get started in wholesaling, like how you find your deals, kind of walk us through the whole process leading up to, to selling the contract. Well, really you have to realize you're in the marketing business. You're not doing real estate. You're in the marketing business. So it starts with some sort of advertising because these people are not going to come to you and say, I want to sell my property at a 40% discount. <laughs> so it starts with the marketing and I prefer direct mail because I had a full-time job at that time. And I just wanted the leads to come to me. Mm -hmm. Some people are hustlers and they want to just call, be on the phones all day, more power to them. You can get deals cheaper that way, but it takes a lot more hustle. And then there's things like, you know, pay-per-click advertising and search engine optimization. That's pretty advanced. So I recommend people starting off with um, calling and texting if you have little to no budget or direct mail if you have a significant budget. And so once you have that lead, you, you've done the front end cycle, right? You've done the generating the lead. Now you're entering into the back end cycle where you have to nurture and convert that lead. And that's a whole science of itself. So you might want to look into, you know, reading some sales books and negotiating, overcoming objections. We talk a lot about that on my podcast, but converting the lead is just as important as getting the lead in the door and overcoming those objections. And a lot of people are willing to sell to you very quickly. Like now they wanted the property gone yesterday. Uh -huh. And then some people you'll be nurturing for six months and they finally say, okay, I'm ready. So you have to know that you have to keep track of all that in the CRM system. And, and then, just out of curiosity, what are you using for your CRM? Are you just using your own spreadsheets or are you using a program that you're paying for? I use, I use RE simply, and that's okay. simply with an I. And that's been good to me. I mean, it is a paid CRM. I know people use free CRMs, but it allows me to automate a lot of things. That's sweet. So, okay. So you, you, you get the leads coming in, you're hopefully converting them over to want to sell the house. Uh, talk us through finishing up and getting, and getting the paycheck. Yeah. So once you've overcome all those objections, it's about getting their signature on the dotted line. Obviously you need something in writing so you could send it to the title company. So I, you know, electronically send all my documents to the seller or I'll meet them in person if they're kind of old school 
And then, you know, once we get that signature, I send it off to the title company. They do all their stuff. And generally within 14 to 30 days, we can close. Now in that 14 to 30 days, I'm scrambling to find a buyer, which isn't too difficult in today's market because people are so hungry for deals. So that's where it takes, you know, networking with other investors, um, getting on your local Facebook groups to look for cash buyers and really getting somebody to buy that contract essentially from you at a higher price. Right. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't really have a minimum fee. I mean, I, I work with, I've done wholesale deals as much as 20,000, um, and as little as 3000. So I obviously prefer the bigger ones, but I'm not going to turn a seller away if I can't get as good of a deal as I'd like, you know? And a lot of the times, this is a strategy that I use because our market's pretty affordable, is that I'll close on a property myself with personal funds or other people's funds, and then I'll clean it up and then just list it on the MLS to get a higher price. That way, I don't have to worry about the time constraints of finding a buyer, and I don't have to worry, well, I get a higher price. Yeah, right. I can usually get like five to $10,000 more if I go through the hassle of, cleaning it up, listing it on the MLS. So just out of curiosity, when you're listing it on the MLS, first of all, do you have your real estate license? I used to. So I, I actually used to have my real estate license and I just, I just basically revoked it. It was a business decision of mine. It was a hard decision, but I found that I was spending too much time doing like the paperwork of being a real estate agent. And I started just handing that off, delegating that to somebody who's good at it. I'm obviously, or I'm also not a great negotiator, honestly, contrary <laughs> to what you might believe with how I'm talking about all this. I, I, so, I think he's full of it for my listeners. Cause I've seen you negotiate with, uh, and we'll have him on, but Mike, so, uh, and Mike's quite the negotiator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, actually he, so my first mentor, he's, he's my agent that I list stuff with. And I found that he's, he's a little more objective mm. when dealing with people making offers. And so he's able to get a better, better sales price for me. That, so I, it's all about delegating. Like I I've learned to just hand off that responsibility to somebody else. Even if I have to pay them a two or 3% commission, I don't care as much about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're a lot like me. It's all about time, time and freedom and flexibility. So that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. So that was going to be my question too, is when you list it on the MLS, are you getting an agent to, to sell it? So it sounds like you have a mentor um, that's, yep. that's selling them for you. So even yeah. at the higher price, even with the, the real estate commissions, the agent commissions, you're still making a bigger spread than you would if you went to a buyer's, uh, a cash buyer list. Yeah, definitely. And I know a lot of people can't really afford to just buy a house in cash. So that's why I would recommend if you're an expensive market or you don't have that capital, give yourself like 30 days in your contract to close. That way you have plenty of time to find a buyer. And I don't think your seller is going to care if it's 30 days versus 14 days. Right. Okay, cool. So um, the next thing I'd like to talk about is uh, a little bit about your criteria. So what are you looking for when you're uh, out there looking for your deals, whether they come in, they're coming in through, uh, it sounds like you're doing a lot of direct mail marketing. Uh, what, what are you looking for? What's your criteria? How do you know if you're going to keep it, which we'll talk about that process, um, and how you're making your money on the, on buying holds, but whether you're going to keep it or you're going to wholesale it. Yeah. 
Well, really, it comes down right now to how much rehab does it need? I'll be frank with you, because if it needs a ton of rehab and it's in a sketchy part of town, I'll just wholesale it, to be honest. If it needs a lot of rehab in a great part of town, I'll keep it. <laughs> um, and I really don't have any like particular criteria. I just look at um, you know, how much reserves and capital do I have right now? Do I have the capital to take on a huge project? If so, I'll keep it. If I just need some capital to pay for my next marketing campaign or this month's overhead, then I'll wholesale it. It's not really an exact science. Um, I will say that I'm probably different than most people is that I want to keep as much as I can. Um, <laughs> and probably people don't like buying deals from me from that reason, just because I kind of try to keep everything and I just give everybody else the table scraps. I'm just being brutally honest. Like I got into this to, to retire very quickly and early. I didn't get into this to create a job where I have this big company, a bunch of overhead. Like yeah. I'm trying to keep as much as I can. Gosh, I, I really, I like that. Cause I think you and I have a lot in common. I think that's why I got into real estate investing is just cause I, uh, wanted passive income so that I can go do what I want to do with whoever I want to do whenever the heck I want to do it. Um, yeah. and not have to be, have a job, so to speak. So sounds like you're really all about systems and delegating a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. i still have a lot to improve on. I mean, you, you have a lot to, obviously I have a lot to learn from you about the way you've built your pest control company that I could probably implement in the wholesaling business. Um, I'm just, I, I foresee myself getting to the point where I have so many rentals in two or three years that I'm not really going to be doing as much wholesaling. If a deal comes across my lap, I mean, of course, I'm not going to turn down a ten to $20,000 paycheck. Right. Um, but I'm, it's not like what I'm going to be doing constantly the grind day in, day out. At least gotcha. I, don't, I don't foresee myself doing that. The, the, I'm glad we've had this talk because I've actually been considering getting into wholesaling. But my thing is, and, th and I also thought about becoming a real estate agent, but my, my thing with the real estate agent is I didn't want to be at somebody's beck and call and have a job. I just wanted to do it for myself. So I was like, oh, maybe wholesaling. So it's kind of interesting that you're saying that most of the deals you're looking for are basically for yourself. And you, if you happen to not like it, maybe sure. make a few thousand dollars spread on it. Yeah. If you're on the fence about real estate agent and wholesaling, I mean, I can't speak for you, but overwhelmingly it was wholesaling for me because of what you just said. You're not at the whim of anything. I mean, you have sellers that are calling in, but you don't, I mean, if you don't want to work that day, you don't have to, I mean, your business might suffer, but, but with a real estate agent, I mean, you have to be available at any time at right. any time. And also the paychecks are much larger with wholesaling. I mean, I think if you, I mean, I've wholesaled a house for, I bought it for 15 and I wholesale it for 35. Wow. So I literally made more money than the seller did. That's crazy. I mean, 20 K and, and then for example, if you're a real estate agent and you sell a house for, you'd have to sell a house for like, a, you'd have to sell like an $800,000 house to make that type of commission after paying brokerage fees and, and whatever. And there are little to no $800,000 houses in my market. So that's why over, you know, overwhelmingly wholesaling was my, my direction. Now, 20,000 on a deal is not going to happen every day. I've right. made 3,000, but still it, it beats real estate agent, in my opinion. I, I agree. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your buy and hold strategy. Can you walk us through it? Cause I, I know that you're doing the, the Burr method. 
um, which we should let the listeners know that stands for, you know, buying, rehabbing it, renting it out, refinancing it, and then basically repeating the process. Mm-hmm. Can you talk us through maybe one of your deals and, and what that spread looked like and uh, how much you were getting in rent, how much equity you had in it and, and, and all that, whatever deal you want to pull up? Sure. I'm happy to do that actually right now um, with a deal that I just got appraised. So as, as you just mentioned, the first step would be buy. So this deal I found was off market and I bought it for 52,000. So, and you're right. I do the Burr method for all my buy and hold deals right now. So I bought it for 52,000 and it needed a significant rehab. And so I started renovating it. That's the second step, the R. So I put about $40,000 into it. Now that was a very significant rehab for my market. It took leveling out the house, doing a full interior gut, but $40,000 is where we ended up at. Now the home is ready to go. And so the next step was rent. So I had an open house. Everyone was excited to see the new home and I'm renting it for $9.95 a month. And then the fourth step refinance, I just got it appraised for 124,000. So mind you, I'm in it for 52, the acquisition price plus 40, the rehab price. So I'm in it for 92 and the bank's going to give me a loan for 80% of the appraised value. So they're going to give me a loan for 99,000. So I'm going to pull out I can pull out about $7,000 and keep the house. So it's a beautiful model of like, you know, you're, you're going in at a discount, you're rehabbing it, and then you're refinancing it on the appraised value. And then you're renting it out to collect the cash flow. Um, and you probably want me to dive into certain steps, but that's the overall. Yeah. And we might have to do another podcast episode where we can break down yeah. some more of this. Um, but what I love about this strategy the way I see it is you, especially the way, if you buy right mm-hmm. and, you, and you're able to rehab at a, at a good, good cost. I mean, you, you said you were able to pull 7,000 out of it. So basically you got a house, somebody paid you $7,000 to own a house. And we didn't even talk about this part is, uh, oh, I guess we did. You're, you're renting now for 900, did you say 90, 90? What'd right at a thousand, right at a thousand. Uh, and your mortgage is probably what three, four, something well, on it. On the commercial loans I'm doing, the mortgage is a little higher okay. because it's a 25 year amortization and it's like 4.09 interest right now. And so your payment's going to be a, a tick higher than maybe if you would have done like a 30 year fixed on the secondary market, but the speed of the velocity of money meaning that I could refinance this property at any point. Um, and I don't need to wait for seasoning requirements and I can just get my loan and move on to the next project. I'm willing to pay a little bit more for that. Right. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the payment shakes out to, but I always shoot for around 200 to $300 a month of cash flow okay. for property. So, yeah, so that's my point. So you're, you're, you basically got paid $7,000 to own an asset that's producing you a couple hundred bucks a month and rent, uh, that you get to pocket after your expenses. And that, yeah. that's what I love about real estate investing. And I, it's sad to say, cause I, I haven't officially done a burr yet. I've all my properties I've done. That's the standard 20% down. And I've gotten so sick of doing that, um, that I'm, 
ready to do it the right way. <laughs> so I just love, I love hearing these deals. Cause I, I have lots of friends and, and you're uh, one of them that's just killing it doing, doing the burst strategy. Yeah. And it makes me excited because, you know, from a tax perspective, it's an absolute dream because that seven K is not taxable. It's a loan. And then all of that 40,000 that I, you know, rehab the property with that's deductible or, you know, in some sort of fashion, I can benefit that on my taxes and you just can't beat it. And, and then depreciation and mortgage interest, all this stuff you can write off. I mean, on paper, on paper, it looks like you're losing money <laughs> to the IRS, but on in real life, you're like swimming in cash because you've done it right. So how many, you said, how many, you said, mentioned this earlier, how many deals have you done so far? Was it seven? Yes. I'm, um, either renovating or holding, you know, seven buy and hold single family residences. Perfect. And you started this year. I started taking it seriously in April of 2021. And yeah, that was six months ago. That's awesome. Oh, I love the, I love it. So let's talk about a little bit. Um, we're going to start winding, winding down here and getting to the end. Um, if someone was interested in investing or even wholesaling, uh, what would be some advice you'd give them? And uh, what would that process look like if they were wanting to get started? Sure. I mean, it goes, goes back to finding a mentor or a coach and literally copying them. If you're paying them, they don't care if they copy you because they're getting money in exchange for their services. And so copy what's working. I'm not super creative. So I just knew that finding discounted properties and turning them to rentals, it's boring but it's going to get you to financial freedom really fast. And like, I'm not, like I said, I'm not super creative. So I just figured if I just copy this process that's been done time and time again, then there's no way I can fail because real estate's always going up and it's just about how good of a deal I can get. So copy, copy someone preferably in your market and then learn how to find good deals. Like those two things will set you up for success. I got to, I got to tell a joke because you're a CPA. So I, I actually talked to this older gentleman that he was a CPA too, and uh, he needed a creative outlet. So he started building clocks and um, he was on the news and stuff. And anyways, uh, he said he needed a creative outlet and in accounting, he couldn't have a creative outlet because that's how you end up going to jail. <laughs> and I just thought that was, that was pretty yeah. funny. Welcome to the final three. Uh, so the first question, what is the most recent book you've read and what is one thing you've learned from it? Sure. The most recent one is called Skip the Flip by Hayden Crabtree. And it just dives into the power of commercial real estate investing. He gives some examples of buying a apartment unit complex that's undervalued or being mismanaged in some way. So getting a good deal on it and then going in there, rehabbing it, increasing rents to then get it appraised for a much higher value. And so we talk about the Burr method of single family and how powerful it is. Well, you can only imagine how powerful basically doing that with 50, 75, hundred units at a time. I mean, you can, you can, get to the point where you don't even ever have to work again, just off one deal. Right. And we obviously see that with people that 
<laughs> in our <laughs> sphere of influence, I mean, they're just set for life off one deal because of how powerful commercial real estate investing is. So once I kind of tap out single family, as far as how far I want to go with it, I'm really eager to get started with those bigger buildings. Awesome. Uh, question number two, what is one principle you strive to live your life by? Yeah, this was a good one. And I thought hard about it. So mine would be the golden rule, love others as much as I love myself. And as a man of faith, I've been in church my whole life. Um, I, you know, obviously I'm a Christian and I think that's something that applies to business, personal life, and your spiritual life is loving others as much as I love myself. So right now, how I'm doing that is I've got a two-year-old that needs a lot of love, you know, a lot of attention, and she's not really able to love anybody but herself. So I, you know, give of myself, give my time, energy, money, effort to care for her and raise her the best that I can. And that's just one way I'm doing that. Obviously in, in my, in my business, I'm not trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes, get you know, steal the deal. I am ethical and upfront in what I'm doing. And so I think that goes a long way when you are very transparent. Yeah. Uh, I a hundred percent agree. I, I feel like in being genuine and, and having integrity always pays off always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, question number three, what is one of the greatest pieces of advice that you've been given? The greatest piece of advice I've been given is buy assets and not liabilities. Um, it makes me sad to see a lot of people my age that are buying a lot of liabilities and no assets. So they'll buy a big personal residence, lots of cars, lots of student loans, gadgets, but no assets. Nothing is in the asset column except maybe a couple thousand dollars in their bank. And it makes me really sad because, you know, they're just going to have to work as long as they live. And that's just the brutal reality of it. Because if you don't buy enough assets, you're just going to sell your time for as long as you live. Well, Dalen, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been awesome to have you. It's been a pleasure. And, and I've enjoyed hearing a little bit of your story and your criteria for investing. Um, where can people find out a little bit more about you? Sure. I am on Instagram at dhazel24. And so that's D-H-A-Z-E-L-L 24. And I'm on Facebook, Dalen Hazel, D-A-L-Y-N-H-A-Z-E-L-L. I've also have a podcast called Real Estate Investing for Freedom, where we talk about similar topics like this. So if any of this has piqued your interest, go ahead and check me out. Uh, Real Estate Investing for Freedom is the podcast name. Awesome. And we will leave uh, links in the description so people can click on those and find out a little bit more about you. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. This has been my first podcast where I'm the one being interviewed. So it's pretty humbling. It's an honor.